Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a podcast where we will hear stories from nurses just like you that will validate, educate, and inspire you. I'm your host, Beth Quas. Today we have Lois Hollis, who's been in nursing for 56 years and has been a true trailblazer for nurses. She started one of the first kidney hemodialysis units in the United States. With her firsthand experience with guilt and shame, Lois has learned to heal herself and now teaches other nurses to do the same. It is a pleasure to have a true nursing pioneer on the show. Please welcome Lois Hollis. Hi, Lois. Welcome, and thank you for being on Don't Eat Your Young. I'm so excited for people to hear your story. You have a lot of experience under your belt. Yes. Tell us, tell us about your journey. Well, looking back, well, tomorrow's my birthday. So tomorrow I'm 77. Happy early birthday. Well, thank you. And I thank God for giving me the life to have and to destiny to do what I am supposed to do. Amen. Amen. So it all started when I was probably a young teenager and I wanted to be, they called them uh, pinkies. And sometimes they called them candy stripers. So what it really was a nurse's aide who talked to people, patients, and gave them magazines. And you got acclimated to the hospital setting. So since then, I've been a nurse. That's That's, a long time. That is a long time. (laughs) So it's been a beautiful journey because I did what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And in that journey... I found out that I was like a trailblazer. This is interesting because we're talking like 50 years ago when I graduated from school. I went to a three-year diploma school, which people don't even know existed. But I did go to a three-year diploma school, St. Joseph's Hospital in Baltimore. And then as I became more efficient and proficient in my profession, I needed my degree because I was speaking and lecturing. So I went to University of Penn to get my BSN. And that gave me some creds. Now you just get a BSN for what, two years or something. I got it in five years. So they teach you a little bit more practical information, I would say. Right. I went to uh, in Baltimore, University of Maryland. I went to their open heart surgery team. And that's when uh, open heart surgery was just beginning. So we what had year do you think that was? That was probably 1963 or four, something like that. That was very early. As I look back on it, it's hard to believe I say these words, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I moved to Philadelphia for many reasons. I was working as an operating room nurse for a long time. And then... I did private duty nursing on the side because I wanted more money so I can go skiing. Good for you. So I was a private duty nurse on weekends or I had very good skills with ICU nursing. And therefore, many private duty nurses didn't have that skill. So I was it was very easy for me to pick up some extra shift. You know, nurses always picking up extra shift. Well, I was that one. And I I helped my ski, I uh, snow ski and have it. It sounds like people have been picking up shifts for a very long time. I'm one of them. Anyway, in one of the private duty nursing uh, experiences, uh, I was helping someone's mother and the person who was there was her daughter. And she 
was working in artificial kidney unit. And she said, you're really an excellent nurse. And I said, oh, thank you. She said, I need another nurse in my unit. And I said, hmm, what kind of unit is it? Well, we're doing research on peritoneal dialysis. And I went, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I took a, you know, went there and I went, oh, I like this. Well, anyway, the head nurse had to leave for some reason. And they said, well, you know more than everybody, so we'll make you head. (laughs) (laughs) I went, okay. Well, at that time, we, the hospital, Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, received a grant from the government to begin a hemodialysis in replace of the peritoneal dialysis. And so that started a lot of research and things of that sort that I had never been exposed to before. But as a nurse, what we do, we're just very efficient. We can do anything like teachers. They say, if you're a teacher, you can do anything. If you're a nurse, you can do anything. However, the problem was in this hemodialysis, I had to do venipunctures to start the kidney dialysis. And I gave IV meds, I gave IVs and those kinds of things that in the 60s, you, a nurse doesn't do anything like that. Yeah, so, you told me you that you weren't allowed to start IVs back then, but you oh, no. did it. I, well, I didn't do it until I got permission. Right, but you yeah. went and asked for permission and you were granted yeah. that. And I went to the um, head of the hospital because who else do you go to, right? You go to the head of the hospital and I told him that I'm very excited to have this position and to uh, help it along and do the research. but. I need uh, clearance from you, not nursing service. I cannot be under nursing service because I do too many things that are not allowed by nurses. So he told me that he will make sure that I'm trained properly. He had uh, operating room as people helping me. The anesthesiologist came and taught me how to do IVs and things of that sort. So I was not under nursing service. Today, that's a whole different story. But at those times in the 60s, uh, it was actually unheard of. And I thought, okay, well, I can do this because I had to teach patients how to do it because they had to take them home doing dialysis. So that was quite an experience being the first kidney hemodialysis unit in the country. You have been a trailblazer for decades. Uh, that was quite wonderful. We got hepatitis in the unit because that's what happens. But I said, ah, I'm an OR nurse. I can fix that. So we did. And so that started some more lecturing. So that's way before the hepatitis vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. After that, uh, I started home dialysis too. Uh, Anyway, so after that, I got married and I had beautiful children and so forth and so on. And I was always plagued by people, please help me with my unit. Please. And I became a consultant. That's the best job in the world when you get paid for your opinion. That's I right. I love it. I love that job. <laughs> so anyway, uh, however, at that point, I'm in my 30s, late 30s, and all the abuse that I was staying in my childhood, all the broken bones and brain traumas, et cetera, were taking its toll because that's what happens. You know, you fall down if you had many serious injuries. And I became extremely depressed and almost suicidal at that point. However, I um, it's kind of interesting to be so, and this happens a lot with us, we become so well-versed in our job, professionals, and we're so smart 
And then we're ready to like, I don't, I'm not nothing. I, I can't do anything. And right. it's like so insane. And I think that happens more with nurses because we have this sensitivity, love within us and willingness to help. But that gets distorted because of our culture. Right. Our culture gives us this shame, guilt always. And we take it on more because we're nurses. We, right. we, we're here to help people. So we take on burdens, which is not the right thing to do. I'm explaining that why we nurses need to know this information more than most other professions. Absolutely. And, you know, we joke about picking up shifts and it happens all of the time. And I think people do it. They want to help out. They want to help the patients. They want to help their coworkers. Because but sometimes we're nurses. Right. And they and don't believe what they're doing to themselves sometimes by putting up boundaries. Yes. Anyway, I went through a lot of counseling so far and so and I felt better. But anyway, long story short, one day I, it was like a magic moment when someone said, well, what do you do about shame? And I went, shame, what a weird thing that is. So I did my research and it was like the, the turning point of my life because I saw everything. I was like so excited because I did not have to go to therapy for anxiety. I didn't have to go to therapy for depression. I didn't have to go to therapy for low self-esteem. The only thing I had to do was get rid of shame and guilt. It was like, hello, this is so cool. Doesn't the world know this? No, they don't. <laughs> but it's a hard road. Shame and guilt is very hard to I know, but, with. but you're going to spend 10 years with depression therapy and another 15 with anxiety. I mean, like you'll be dead before you're well. <laughs> I mean, it don't make any sense. Right. Um, so I healed. And everybody, I was in Sedona at that point. And Sedona's kind of like a mecca of what else are you doing now? So people said, what are you doing? I said, I'm talking to myself and getting rid of this shame and guilt stuff. Oh, can I do it? I said, I guess so. I'm just talking to myself. And I showed them how to do that. And they got well and happy within like a, two months. I mean, it wasn't like years. And so they sent their mothers and their grandmothers and their kids. And they all learned big progress. So somebody said, you should be charging for this. I said, for what? Anyway, so that's how my profession got born. Do you think the bullying that we see within nursing and, you know, the term don't eat your young, and do you see that playing a part in the stress and burnout in nurses today? Okay, burnout in any profession is you took one too much shame guilt. That's powerful. Okay, and if I can... Uh, give you, give the audience information that's not available. You're not going to find it in the book and it's not on internet. So my books, but someone's got to start the truth. And so God said, this is your job. So by counseling people, I was able to bring forth new information. Shame and guilt are the same. Okay. People mm -hmm. say, oh, no, shame's bad. Guilt's good. Well, they're both dangerous, negative energy. Absolutely. There's no good poison. They're both bad. Right. And that's quite a statement because a lot of people say we need guilt so we'll be moral. No, you don't need guilt to be moral. We can evolve to a higher consciousness and do something because it's the right thing to do, not because we'll feel guilty. 
that we didn't do it. We need to evolve. That is the reason I'm doing this podcast. So people we can need hear to things evolve. like that. Hello, Absolutely. it's called eternal progression. We're all on a treadmill that doesn't have an off button. That's powerful. That's the truth. So like it or not, we're evolving and guilt and sh guilt, shame are going away. Okay, so you have love energy coming in. How does that feel? Mm, really nice. And that's how you get your joy and your happiness and your peace and your love. And all those good things. And then you have the negativity. Shame, guilt comes in. Shaming, shame, guilt is not an emotion. It's an energy that affects your emotions. Shame, guilt turns your positive emotions into negative ones. This is mind blowing listening to you. Shame, guilt turns your intuition into anxiety. Shame, guilt turns your compassion into depression. We all have these beautiful, wonderful things. And it's not about, oh, how can I get more peace? How can I get more joy? Because before the virus, I wanted to talk about shame and guilt. But I said, oh, nobody talks about that. Oh, no, 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 no. Talk about peace, love, and happiness. I said, well, I can talk about peace. But you will not have peace, love, and happiness until you get rid of shame and guilt. They go, oh, no. You talk about peace and love and happiness. I go, well, I guess I don't talk at your lecture. <laughs> However, shame, guilt is not of us. And as a nurse, we know anything that's not within you or belongs to you can be gotten rid of. Now, why is shame, guilt the same? And everybody says, oh, it's shame of you. You, all the people we're speaking to, understand this. And I'm making this very general, so please don't haunt me. When you have a virus or bacteria in your brain, they call it meningitis, bacterial meningitis, viral meningitis. But anyway, they call it meningitis. Mm -hmm. If you have the same bacteria, virus, pathogen in your stomach, they call it gastritis. If you have the same one in your um, lungs, they call it pneumonia. That's how we're, that's how the culture has made us into segments, even though it's the same thing. Right. Okay. Shame is in the unconscious mind, as we all know. It's not readily accessible. At night, we have dreams, and that's the shame coming out. Guilt is in the conscious mind, and that's why we say, oh, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. But it's the same energy. And do you have the same physical feelings from that? Well, it depends It's if it's more of shame and more of guilt. But shame, I call it shame, guilt. It's not shame and guilt. It's shame, guilt. Shame, guilt, energy. So guilt is not good and shame is not good. How can, how can one be good? It doesn't make any sense. So right. when people say, oh, you've got to have guilt because we're all so amoral. And I'm going, no, no, that is not your... Um, you know, thing you want to aspire to. Oh, I'm more guilty. I feel the better I am with God. No, God doesn't want you to feel guilty. No. We are loving, beautiful human beings. Look, I mean, as nurses, we know how complex of an organ we are. 
and we heal. How did you heal? I mean, have you you've seen them miracles? Other people have seen miracles. Yes. So we're really special. We human beings are very, very special. And shame, guilt is an energy to help us evolve. Now, that's a whole nother story, but we're not getting into that. It is here on the planet. Okay. Right. And it's for us, you, me, to get rid of it. How do you do that? Talk ah, to, talk to the audience job. about how you do that. That's my job. Yes. <laughs> what you have to do is first, you have to be educated on to what it is. You know, the art of war, know thy enemy. And that's why I'm an educator, because I'm teaching people what shame, guilt behavior is. You talk to, to five different people and they'll tell you five different stories. So shame, guilt is an energy and it's inside of us. People that say, oh, I get rid of all my shame, guilt that I've ever received or done in my life. That don't work. If that worked, we would all be saints. At this <laughs> I wish that were true. Believe me, people believe that. I did your work, Lois. I'm finally, over the weekend, I just said, get rid of all the shame and guilt. And I'm fine now. And I went, wow, okay, I'll see you in another week. Because <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Because if it did, since Adam and Eve, we should be perfect, right? Right. Okay, shame, guilt hides within us. The only flaw it has is that it dissolves in detection. That's Isn't amazing. that interesting? It's very interesting. Do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Very well. Dorothy coming up to see the wizard and she's, oh, I don't know. I'm so, he's so big and he's so powerful. How can I do this? And she's all, you know, nervous. Toto takes the curtain and pulls it back. <laughs> and what do you see? That's right. You see, you see a man. little man, very old with a beard, with his big megaphone, because he's got a very small voice. And he's yelling, because he has him, and he's blowing smoke at you. Yes. That's shame guilt. That is a great analogy. That is perfect. So if you can hold that image or whatever image you can, that's the image I do because that's what I grew up with. That's what shame guilt is. Somebody talking through a megaphone, blowing smoke at you. So you can get rid of it once yes, you, you expose it. Once you expose it. Now, how do you expose it? You expose it by knowing what it is. Shame guilt hides within our personality. I'm sure that you probably and then um, your attendees have heard about uh, parts within us, like you know, the sad part, the happy part, the inner critic. You know, we have all this uh, going on within us. And I have a film on YouTube and also on my website that shows me talking to my inner self. But people go, what are you talking about? Well, we talk to ourselves all the time. I just put names to who I'm talking to. I made it a conversation like high happiness, high sadness, high I don't care. I, you know, whoever's, you know, whatever, whatever emotion you're feeling. Like, give me an example. What, what do you feel, feel one day like? Anxiety. Hi, anxiety. Thank you so much for coming to me. 
what do you want to tell me? You're making friends with your anxiety. You say, oh, that's so crazy. Well, but the other part of anxiety is intuition. So if I help anxiety heal, I get my intuition back. Oh, my gosh. That is so amazing that you said that. So anxiety isn't all bad. No, it just got shame guilted. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love that. Shame. Exactly. There's nothing, you know, that's all it is. It's only shame guilt that got in there and ticked that one around and it turned around. I've talked to the negative side. That's all there is. There ain't no more. How easy is that? I'm sure it sounds easy, but of course, to do it takes time. It's got to be a process and you have to be willing to do it, I'm sure. Exactly. But there is a way and I'm not talking 10 years to therapy here. Because I've had people come to me after 10 years of therapy. Not that therapy's wrong. I'm not saying that. It has a place. But there comes a point that if you don't put shame, guilt in therapy, you're just going to be there forever. And I have I talk to people for like two sessions and that's it. They're fine. It isn't that we're mentally ill. We don't have mental problems. We just don't have the information. I'm so, a teacher. I teach that. Tell us about your business and what you do in your business besides teach. Well, I teach like I'm doing now. And that's very important and because people have to know that shame guilt is a foreign energy that comes into us and turns our good self into bad stuff. That's all. So the thing is to get rid of it, but we find it by finding it in the inner personality parts within us. And that's it. Once we know that, once shame, guilt is seen, it has to go away. Well, I help, like I'm talking with you, I'd be counseling a person and I'd say, who's talking and how to do and da, 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 and we'd have to import and let's get rid of that. And that's what I do. I do counseling. I do teaching. And since I am so visual, I've had a near-death experience and other things. So I wow. got to see, you know, I, I thought everybody saw energies and things, but they don't. So I, I'm making a film in January, producing one that makes shame guilt visible. That's a gift to see, to visualize And, and see things. how it affects us. Because people don't believe me. I said, well, you, you know how a computer virus is? When the, what happens when a computer virus hits your computer and you're trying to do Microsoft Word? Right, it, it crashes. It crashes. It doesn't work, and you got you get um, pixels or you get something else. You get other docs, and you're like, "Why? It it, is, it it it's all wrong." That's what happens. Shame guilt is a dangerous energy. Attacks us. Our brain goes goofy. We get confused. We get depressed, and our organs turn around too and get disease. That's what happens. So when people say, oh, we need shame and guilt, I'm ready to sock them. Like, <laughs> I don't do that. But I'm like, are you kidding me? Let me right. sit down. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> but they uh, don't know. And it's not their fault. Our uh, culture has made us this way. So that's step number one. Step number two is how do I not take on any more shame guilt within my life? Because I live in a shame guilt culture. I live in a shame guilt world. It's it's culture, it's government, it's religion, it's your mother, your father, your grandmother, your kids, it's everybody. So we can't blame it on anybody. We blame it on the culture. But we have the only men, enemy we have is shame guilt. That's it. 
That's amazing. But see how that makes you feel different? Absolutely, it does. I think I can conquer that. Well, of course, because you know. I have, a, I have a quote. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist. And that's shame guilt. The greatest trick that shame guilt ever did was to convince the world it didn't exist. And it's here every day. It's in, it's in people constantly. It's in, of course, but you don't have to keep it. That is the best news I've heard all day. We don't need to keep it to become, talk to God, live our life, give love to us, give love to the, oh, you got to love yourself. Well, everybody says, okay, but Lois is the only one that tells me how. They all say, love yourself, love you. Like, you don't think I want to love myself, but you got to get rid of the shame, guilt to love yourself. And that's very freeing. Of course. Of course. So the next thing is don't accept any from yourself and other people. And that's sometimes hard depending on who it's coming from. It doesn't matter. You just don't accept it from anybody. <laughs> I'm going to take that as an order, Lois. I'm going to say I can't accept that Lois said I don't have to. Exactly. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, you don't have. Now, give me an example of someone saying to you that you felt it was shameful. Or felt miserable or, it, you know. Well, I will just say I grew up in a Catholic home. and Say I, no more. <laughs> there you go. I, there you have it. That's not against the Catholic Church. I'm just saying that's our culture. That's how I grew up. And you are in sin. You are bad. You have sinned. And you need a confession and you need to do penance because you're bad. You are <laughs> <Right>. bad. <laughs> If the priest or the nun, I was raised by nuns for 12, 12 years. So, you know, I really had to do a lot of repair work. <laughs> Today, I would look at them and say, it depends. Sometimes you can say it verbally and sometimes you can't. You just say, I don't accept that. Thank you very much. I'll talk later and just leave. Or if it's a, like you, I'm going, I don't accept that. I am good. In fact, my movie is called I'm Good. I want I'm to hear good. about your books. I'm good. That's what I would say to people. I'm good. I don't accept that. Thank you very much. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you, me, all of us have the responsibility to heal ourselves. It's a self-do-it-yourself thing. Now, you need teaching. I'm saying that's what we're doing. We're teaching you how to love yourself and you love yourself by not taking shame, guilt on, but you have to know what it is not to take it on. So I have a whole list of words that are very shameful, like, oh, I just wrote this letter. I hope it's good for you. I only had a few minutes to write this. I just wanted to let you. Do you see the word just tends to put you in a, I just, I don't think about you, but I just thought about you now. Now, some people say it's okay to say that, but I think more of the times it's, it's demeaning. Mm -hmm. And we don't need that. I thought of you today. That, I, that's completely different. You're right. Just that one little word. I, I thought of you today. Oh, as I was washing the dishes, I thought of all the wonderful things we did today. Oh, I was just thinking about it. It just turns it. That's a, that's a negative word. Yeah, I see that. Now, you can, 
all of you can look at these communicators. There's a lot of communicators out now trying to use the best words, but I'm telling you why you need to use the best words because it's shame and guilt. They don't tell you that. They just said it's better communication. So that's really important. And the word, I remember reading um, a note from a newsletter from the school and say, oh, I just had a few minutes now to write this. I hope it's okay. I'm sorry if I may spell the words, but I'm really in a hurry. And I hope this gets to you in time. And I hope you get, oh my God, the explicit, <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's, it, you don't need to explain. Thank you for listening. I want to tell you about our new event coming up on Friday. I hope you all can make it with such short notice. Blessings to you all. Right to the point. Yeah. Say what you mean. But you don't need to explain and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Really? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My grandkids who are very young, you know, three, four, five, six kind of time, and I they go, oh, Usha, I'm so sorry I, I fell. I dropped the tomatoes or I dropped the juice or something. I said, you don't have to be sorry for that. Did you intend to do that? And go, no. I said, you did a da. It's always <laughs> a da. <laughs> so he goes, and then when I brought them home, they go, mom, guess what? I said, so I did a da today. I spilled this juice. It was a da. But they didn't feel like they did something bad. They did a da. And I do I, that to myself. Duh. Oops. And I have an email autosponder. And that's a big deal for techie, not Lois, you know. <laughs> so somehow I got very, I've been very, very busy. And someone else posted for me. They messed it up. And so I finally had it repaired. So I did a newsletter yesterday and I said, oops, that was the title. O-O-P-S. My Email responder got all messed up. Someone posted wrong. I hope this didn't cause any inconvenience. And please, if you ever find any inconsistencies, please let me know. And I have a sky standing there with all these question marks around them. You know, like a funny thing. Yep. That's great. Make it light. Yeah. It was an oops. It was an oops. We're, really all, we're all entitled to oops. Exactly. Exactly. Tell us about the books that you've written. I've written... One book is called Emotional Revolution Equals Evolution, Shame, Guilt, Release. That tends to be, I, people tell me it's a little heavy. I said, well, seriously, if you could make shame, guilt, light, go right ahead. These are the books <laughs> like, be happy, be happy, be happy. I said, no, you, that don't work. So the book is very complete. And every time you read it, you seem to automatically release shame, guilt. It's just in the knowledge to your subconscious mind. And I tell people to read it over and over again because we have been indoctrinated. I'm, I'm turning your head around like what? And I understand that. So you need to read the book. They said, oh, I read it over the weekend. I'm like, you didn't read it over the weekend because <laughs> you can't read that book over the weekend. <laughs> and every time you read it, you get more out of it because a lot of it just came in through me. It, it wasn't like I did research. However, I do validate what I would say, and you know, from various studies. But um, the real true thing is what is shame, guilt, and how to get rid of it and so forth and so on. The other book I've written is called Now is the Time. That's totally different. I have been blessed with automatic writing. 
I woke up in the middle of the night with words in my head, pounding, 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 pounding. So I said, okay, I'll write them down. And I didn't stop for three months. Wow. So what it is called, this is 10 years ago, it's called light language. And the language has a certain frequency to it. It's English, but the words are not particularly in order that we're used to. And each word is specifically put in the order that it is. I never can revise it. Light language goes to the heart and the soul first. All our readings go to our mind first, right? When you read a book, where does it go? You're trying to figure out what are they saying? What are they doing? This is different. When you read it, it goes to your heart and soul, and then your mind takes a look at it. It helps to heal us. It's a healing. It's not step one, step two. It just talks about love and light and joy in a way that I can't say to you because I don't have it in front of me. I think we all need that, especially right now. And especially now. And it's like a prayer. Like, read it every day. Because every time you read it, you receive a different message. It's living words. When I was in Sedona 10 years ago, I would have group meetings and I would read one or two pages of these thousand pages that I have. Okay, that's all two pages. We would talk for hours about it. Oh, about three, four weeks later, I get a phone call from somebody in the group and I said, Oh, hi, how are you? This how I, I want to tell you that I don't have um, PTSD anymore. I said, Oh, that's wonderful. He said, I'm so excited. I said, well, that's living in Sedona, right? Because there is a healing energy. He says, no, it's your readings that we've been doing. And I go, oh, okay. I said, Sedona is really good for that. And then when I moved back east and I started taking my books out again, and now is the time, I got a phone call again. And they told me that their emotional depression was gone. And I went, wow, I'm not even in Sedona. It works outside of Sedona. (laughs) That is amazing. Where can people find you? On my website, uh, Lois Hollis, L-O-I-S-H-O-L-L-I-S dot com. There I have my video when Soul Speaks. I call it Soul Speak as the inner personality is talking. And I have some information that helps lead you to what I'm talking about now. Please sign up for my email ebook. Now that the autoresponder is okay. I have a book called 500 Questions, One Answer. And you know what the answer is, Shane Gill. One of my friends, Lois, you cannot give somebody 500 questions and answers. You're going to blow them away. I went, okay. So it's 25 questions in 20 segments. So you'll get something for a long time. And they were correct because I answer them. And, it, it, you know, it takes a while to understand what I'm saying. That How generous the, of you to give that away. You cannot get rid of shame, guilt, unless you know what it is. Now, 500 people have asked me these questions. And so I just answered them. And that way, you know that there's 500 conditions in this world that people are trying to find an answer for, and I'm telling them how to fix it. What's one piece of advice that you would 
um, share with nurses listening? Know that you are more of a prime candidate for shame and guilt coming into you. People that have light with them, like you, like me, like nurses, are more susceptible. Okay, we understand the word susceptible to shame and guilt because of our hardware of wanting to help and please. That's not a bad thing, but it gets confused very, very easy. So if you know that, read my book. Oh, <laughs> you, know, I... be, 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 you know, I'm very serious because this is very dear to my heart, what I'm saying today, because I wish I would have known that because I felt like I was always, you know, this is 60 years ago. So it's like nurses weren't treated very well. And I was very happy when I was supervising my own unit under the president of the hospital. That was way cool. <laughs> yes. I was worth something. But we have to know that we're more sense. And maybe teachers are too. But nursing, because you're dealing with God, you're dealing with life itself. And I know a lot of nurses have gone into entrepreneurship. I mean, I did that in the 60s. I didn't know I was a nurse entrepreneur. They have a name for that now. But you tend to get away from patient care. And that doesn't help you being a nurse because you are far more, you get the um, experience from other people talking. I would suggest people in administration and teaching to spend whatever time they can with a patient. I mean, not watching a student do patient care, you doing patient care. I couldn't agree more. Because we have gotten away from the meaning of why we are a nurse. And we do need leaders, we need administrators, but you get a person that doesn't have hands on gets very far removed from the actual care of a patient. And I know this happens in CEOs and things of that sort, but I think it's really, really important to maintain the nursing feeling, even though you're the president of the hospital or you're president of the nursing group. I'm not saying we shouldn't excel, but we can't lose patient care. We can't I, do that. We, I, we are not a profession right. anymore. That's right. We need to take that back. And I think this goes back to shame guilt. Because, ah, that's the meaning to me. I rose above it. I'm an entrepreneur now. I just tell people what to do. So I don't have to do that anymore. And that's shaming no, it isn't. What is holier than caring for someone? I couldn't agree more, and I can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing your knowledge and wisdom and your, I think what you're doing, you're healing us today just by letting us listen to you tell your story. And I hope that more people can find you and start to heal if that's what they need. I so appreciate talking to you today, Lois. Oh, thank you because I have tears in my eyes. Well, I, you are a gift. You are a gift and I'm hoping people will come and find you and I appreciate you so much. Thank you. But you will find the key to your soul.
Are you kidding me right now? Lois Hollis, you are amazing. I feel like I got a free counseling session just on this podcast. I felt it in my soul. I had tears in my eyes. She was amazing. Some of the things she said were shame, guilt are the same thing. They're not an emotion, but they evoke emotions from us. We can stop receiving shame and guilt from others and heal ourselves. I hope you check out Lois Hollis on her website. Check out her books because what she told us today was mind-blowing. Thanks for listening today, and don't forget to head on over to DonateYourYoung.com, which will take you to our membership page where you can subscribe to the show and become a member of our growing pool of listeners and supporters. Thanks for listening. Don't you give up now. You have made your vows. You might not know how, but you will find the key.